Let's push the record button. You're I editing. Pushed it. There you go. I was listening to. It's turning incomplete. You make you make. Yeah. So, so I was listening to this new podcast someone told me about, and like it makes me really want to get us a soundboard. Yeah. So or like figure out how to do a soundboard kind of thing, which so. A soundboard or intro music. I don't know. I don't know the words. You know, like when people on the radio do like silly things, oh, and, yeah. or they like, <laughs> or like, or like if we talk about a song or something, and we just like want to play a fair use clip, like fair use, like, like yeah. clarify that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, or like sound bites. Like, like I, I thought that that might be called a soundboard. That's the thing my brain wants to call it. Um, so, because I was listening to this podcast that was using it like aggressively and now i really want it um because even right now if i figured out i don't trust myself to be able to figure out how to pipe this uh quickly but because um, <laughs> so so there's sound flower right uh-huh and i think i have sound flower installed but yeah i wanted to play because their intro to this podcast is hilarious. So, um, we can talk about something else and I can see if I can figure out how that actually works. I don't know. What's up? You weren't on the show last week, Dustin. What's I, up? I wasn't. Uh, work is busy. I work at HashiCorp, so I guess you could put two and two together and say that HashiCorp is busy. <laughs> like, in a good way? Busy good? Yeah, yeah. Just a lot of... You guys are shredding documents. On. Shredding what? I don't know. Like Enron. Like is HashiCorp in an Enron stage on a level of like Enron to IPO, like how is your business life? Hashtag HC leaks. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, if you know, we could talk about that. There's been a lot going on this week. What mm-hmm. about political are we gonna be a political podcast now? Well, no, no, no. But we can. It's like we can talk about things when they enter our our sphere, right? Like, oh, when like it comes, like securing your when email news, server. Yeah, when the news comes into our lane, it's fair game. Like, here's, here's the funny thing about email, like hacking. Like, you don't need yeah. to hack an email server to hack emails. You just need to have the password of one of the recipients of all the emails. Well, or most email is sent in clear text, so you just have to see something over the wire, that, right? That that's true. I mean, yeah, I guess I guess so. But some I mean, like email is easier, like, though. Right, like, so you just set some oh, yeah. fake page and like, yeah, uh, log in. Yeah, actually, I so I went to uh, I went to Hope over the weekend. So Hackers on Planet Earth, which is like a hacker infosec conference, and uh, it was it was pretty awesome. Yeah, so, no, another person that yeah, went so, there. And- she really liked it too. Yeah, it was very cool. It's only every other year, so uh, you know, listeners, put it on your 2018 schedule. The talks were long, there, right? It's like a two-hour keynote. And... Okay, okay. So the well, actually, even so. Oh yeah, that was. I was gonna write a blog post on my reactions to the keynote. I can still do that. Whatever. There's no rules. But so Cory Doctorow did the keynote. Uh, awesome person writer people who are into cory doctorow like super fan person over cory doctorow uh does a lot of work with eff so his keynote was about an hour but then that second hour that was blocked for was 
actually all Q&A, plus secretly not all of it. Then, like, the last 20 minutes they wanted to – I don't remember what they wanted to pitch you on, but I was really hungry, and so I left and got food. Because <laughs> one of the things I hope is there's just so much content that you – there's there's no lunch breaks. Like, there's no lunch breaks. You just, like – you're on your own for when you decide to go acquire calories. It goes from 10 a.m. to midnight. Wow. So, but that's because like, every it's three up to years, you. Right? Like it's just every two years, every other year. So, yeah, there's workshops. There's uh, three tracks, uh, yeah, and and sometimes multiple workshops going at once. So there's just a lot going on. So actually, one of the hardest things for hope for me, if I were to have like a tip for going to hope i would say bring snacks <laughs> because like that is a thing that i was not i did not think ahead and so i even i went to one workshop session that or it wasn't workshop oh yeah and then there was also the open like they had like a, a unconference track where anyone could wander in and do the thing um that had some especially weird ones um actually oh but well maybe you'd be into this uh, Justin, do you know what nootropics are? No. Sounds like a drug. So, good guess. Um, <laughs> so, nootropics are... Is this what John McAfee is doing in South America? <laughs> probably. I'll spread that rumor. Anyway, so, it's a... They're, they're also called smart drugs or cognitive enhancers. So there was this we – I was actually going to the session after the session, but the, the person before – like, you know, you wander in 10 minutes before the next session starts, and the person before was talking about nootropics. And so they're, it's basically like taking drugs to try and make your brain work faster or better or – like, doing things, like, and, and, and this is, like, things I heard in, like, the last 10 minutes of the talk, which is, like, you know, just including, like, the last five minutes in Q&A. So, like, this person had been talking about this for 50 minutes before I got there, recall this. And so he's talking about how people, one of the Q&A things someone asked about acid, and apparently people will cut up a tab of acid into tiny, tiny pieces and take a little bit at a time constantly. Microdosing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what someone asked. That's the term. See, see, you do know about this, Justin. I've I've heard of it and read about it, and I actually was right. John McAfee uses smart drugs in South America. Oh, God. Um, okay. But yeah, so a friend of mine was telling me that he bought some pills that he takes to make his brain better, like smart drugs. I looked them up, and they were in the same family as caffeine, like like coffee. <laughs> um, so we already oh, yeah, like we already had it again. So it's it's interesting that people are like. It's interesting that people are like hacking their, I don't know, biological functions, their brain to perform better. Um, my my opinion of all that stuff is like I don't like putting weird stuff in my body. Like caffeine's about as far as I go. I don't, I don't even drink alcohol, um, so I would probably yeah. never try it. But it's interesting that people are playing around with it. Yeah, I mean, I definitely find it cognitively interesting. I also, I mean, so one of the things that frustrates me about it, like I guess. If, if people are using the terms like hacking around it, I guess I I get a little more like what would I say irked when people start using the word experiment. And people say that they're experimenting on themselves, which literally cannot be an experiment because you don't have a control because you only have one subject. I just that it gets my goat. 
bothers me a lot. <laughs> like, if you want to put butter in your coffee, whatever, but don't call it an experiment. <laughs> oh, I remember that. It's butter yeah. in your coffee. Yeah. So, so there's a website that I only know about from what I'm about to say about this Twitter account, but there's this website called Erowid, E-R-O-W-I-D, <laughs> That has all and kinds you're going to talk about this Twitter account? Yeah. You learned about Erwid from that Twitter account that you're about to mention? I don't want to scoop you. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's Erwid is a uh, forum for people that, you know, take drugs and tell about their experiences. I don't, I don't know. But then uh, there's a Twitter Markov chain bot that's trained on Erwid posts and uh, recruiter emails called Erwid Recruiter. And it's, uh, it's pretty hilarious. I'll put it in the show notes. It's pretty great. I the, just the, love that that's how you found out about Airwood is not from like your stoner friends in high school. You found out because of Airwood Recruiter. <laughs> yep. So the, the pinned post is moaning, holding ourselves to quell the inner pain. We are experiencing incredible growth. <laughs> wow. Closureist will be part of a cuttlefish. Cuttlefish are really cool. Off topic, but kind of on topic. If you, they're... <laughs> just watch a video of cuttlefish. They're just your name amazing. surfaced in several of my experiences. Relatively insignificant. Great. Yeah, it it does sound like interesting to be like, oh, maybe if I, uh, you know, maybe if I take these drugs, then I will like come up with some amazing solution to some problem that we've thought of before. But I think in reality, you'll just be like a little high. <laughs> Yeah, so and you don't get nothing else done. Well, there's yeah. that one one film, right? Limitless, where Bradley Cooper takes the pill. And yeah, yeah. He's uh, and then he turns into a wizard. What do, what happens? He just knows that he could accomplish great things. He, he cleans his apartment. Is the first thing. He does. <laughs> <laughs> does he end up dying, or is he like? Does the drug also? We can't spoil the movie, people. Okay. Yeah, and I don't know. I'm no. Robert De Niro is in it. <laughs> she like Robert De Niro. Um, so, yeah. Are we done talking about drugs? Yeah. yeah, I think we can move on from talking about drugs. <laughs> so, so we can we can go back to talking about uh, hacks or Jervon. It sounds like you have something to say. I just wanted to say the DNC is in town. Yeah, this is all the cool people are staying at the hotel next to our building. So there's Secret Service. And that sounds like a giant pain in the ass. Well, their secret service is pretty cool. Like, oh no, no, no! I just mean like in terms of being able to get to the building. I feel they're they're not uh, what's the word? They're very like contained. They're keeping it to themselves. Like every so often, you'll hear the the police go by, like escorting someone there. But it's pretty. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I was super there. excited about the DNC coming to town, uh, and then I was over it after about five minutes. When you when the traffic hit and all the road closures, yeah. Well, because I I happen I live near Broad Street, and so there's been all these like marches down Broad Street, and actually I even I was so what was it was it yesterday that I was just walking somewhere, and no, it was two days ago. So it was one of the I mean literally they have been marches down Broad Street every single day, and is that interesting thing too of when there are protests that. People might, I don't, I don't want to sound conspiracy theory, but people might not see this if you aren't in Philadelphia. Like, you might not be seeing this in the regular meeting. You might not understand just, like, how disruptive this is. Like, that there are a lot of people 
like did, marching down Broad Street. Did you see the fifty-one foot uh, marijuana joint that they carried? No, from I saw City a picture of it. <laughs> yeah, and it was like ninety-five degrees that day. Um, but so, but yeah, so I, I was walking over to see like, oh, what's this one march about? And I was talking to a random guy in the street, and he was he was actually describing what was going on to someone else, and I just kind of wandered up, and I was like, hello, I would also like to hear this explanation. He, he said, no, that's fine. Explaining is what I do. And I said, cool, glad you're on board. And he's he said, well, so here's the thing: is that this protest is really not like at least the you know the one march we saw. It's not like these protests are all a unified thing. It's like it's all these small subgroups of people who have all glommed together. So, so I think that one of the ones that I saw in during this particular batch when I was chatting with this person was about Puerto Rican statehood. Uh, then there was also, of course, um, uh, militarization of the police, police violence, uh, all these things. But all these things were kind of all glommed together into one herd. And it, it's almost like the protests were, we're here and we're angry and we're all marching together rather than a unified unified organization. I, I just found that a bit odd. But yeah. I was very over it because I don't, I don't, it's, it's scary to have police helicopters over your house all the time. So that was not great. I'm, I'm in New York right now, which is why it sounds like I'm in a coffee shop. Uh, I'm actually not. So, uh, <laughs> if I were in a coffee shop, I probably you probably eventually hear someone come over and say, "Why are you recording in a coffee shop? <laughs> Get a, do you live anywhere?" <laughs> I imagine helicopter of your house is loud too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, that actually reminds me. This is so. You all have you all do you all have read the recompiler? Or picked up a copy of the recompiler? No. I don't know if I plug them on the podcast, but it, I, I absolutely would love to take the opportunity to plug the recompiler on the podcast. So recompiler is a feminist hacker magazine, a.k.a. Yes, You Should Be Subscribing. Uh, and it's fantastic. I just got a new issue this week. And there is this uh, cute little short like article, but more so graphic. Uh, and, and this will eventually be online, I believe. Um, but definitely just subscribe to Recompilers and the money be awesome. So this is called Progress is a Comfortable Disease uh, by Heidi Waterhouse. And it has three columns. It has description, old and boring, and the new hotness. So, for example, the first one is independent programs that report the state of something to a controlling program. Old and boring, that is agents. The new hotness is microservices. But being in this space right now reminds me of this one is description. Architectural structure designed to make people aware that they are being watched. Old and boring is the panopticon. And the new hotness is the open plan office. Anyway, I like that joke. So if you're, you're aware that the panopticon is the like horrible dystopian thing that then people read about and were like, oh, that's actually a great idea. Let's organize prisons this way. So, but yeah, I think Pan, is Panopticon Foucault or who did Panopticon? I have no idea. No idea. I don't know. I try, I try to act like I'm well-read, but all I know is what I don't know. And then I don't know what, what I don't question? not know. Who, who came up with the 
idea of the Panopticon. The internet tells me that it was English philosopher, philosopher and social theorist. <laughs> yeah. Jem- Jeremy Bentham. Yeah. For some reason, I thought it was Foucault or something. I totally Googled that, by the way. Excellent. I'm glad that you did. I actually was watching uh, Aerial America recently on Pennsylvania. And uh, what's it called? What's the penitentiary called? You mean Eastern State Pen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the first one of its kind. And then other parts of the world started adopting it. And they have windows or glass on the roof so you can reflect in solitude <laughs> of the bad things you've done. Uh, you should watch Aerial America, Pennsylvania. Actually, Aerial America, all the states, because it's really good. I, I've actually never been in there. Have any of you? Do Easter State Pen? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. Is Have you been, been, Justin? I've only been for Halloween. Um, oh, where it's a little, a yeah, I've been there a couple of times for that. It's fun. I've, I want to go back when it's not, uh, all kitschy decorated. Yeah. I'm, I don't know. How do you, what do you, what thoughts on haunted houses? What are your thoughts, Justin? I love haunted houses. They were fun when I was younger. They're, they're still okay. I think, so I used to not be interested in them and then I started going to them and they're, they're, they're pretty cool. Like, people put a lot of effort into to, uh, to like dressing up in a theme. I think the, the problem that you run into is when there's not like a, a good theme or like not a story. So sometimes you, you go to one and it's just like, oh, fog. And a, do oh, the plan is just like be dark and scary. But like there's a place... Pennsylvania, it's like an old hospital, and every year they or uh, they retell the story of the hospital. Like bad things happen. Your imagination runs wild, or my imagination runs wild, and you get into it. It's dark, and you have to drive up this like really dark uh, driveway to get to it, and then you have to walk. Also, it's pretty. I like haunted houses too. We're going to San Francisco uh, in about a month, and we're hoping to go to Alcatraz. Oh, nice. It's called Penhurst. Sorry, is this still Penhurst is haunted or something? You think you're going to see Sean Connery? <laughs> Hope so. <laughs> the Rock. Or was it just called Rock? The Rock. No. I think The Rock is a person. Also that. A movie. About escaping. Was it escaping from Alcatraz? Or he was in Alcatraz and they wanted to blow it up or something? And they had missiles? It was, uh, it was held hostage, I okay. think. Yeah, that's, that's Or, yeah, there was... Yeah, Yeah, they, they travel there with a bunch of missiles to blow something up. Is that the San Francisco trip for work? Or? Well, HashiConf is uh, in Napa, California, beginning of September... So, me and my wife are going to go a little bit early, hang out. Besides Alcatraz, what, are you, what do you think you're going to do? What else? And drink wine, I guess. Some cheese. Maybe. Um, there's, I actually don't know what is in San Francisco besides Alcatraz. Uh, there's some, like, local city stuff, food. Um, 
I want to go to that forest from... Uh, oh, the red... Uh... Yeah, the red trees. Mm-hmm. Mirwoods? Mirwood? But I don't know. I'll probably ask some coworkers because many of them are from San Francisco. So right before the podcast, uh, I was showing Justin the salary calculator. Did you see this, Pam? Oh, yeah. We should talk about that. The Stack Overflow one? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, I think it's a smart recruiting tool. Why don't you go over like what it is, Trevon? Sure. Uh, so it's a page. I will link to it. And a couple drop downs. You pick your position, your experience, and your skill. And uh, it does like a rough estimate of... Uh, what you should be making. I guess they've collected numbers on... Uh, I wonder if they got the numbers from the job board, like what people are posting. Um, and then it gives you a result of what your expected salary should be. There is a checkbox that says, I live in New York, San Francisco, or London. Those must be the really uh, expensive places. For sure. So let's see. It's like, if I check the button, it's like a 10... $10,000 bump. Did you do it, Pam? Did I do what? Sorry. Did you do the calculator? I did. But, I mean, so the thing is, it's a recruiting tool, because this is how much you would make at Stack Overflow. The, <laughs> the thing they link to, when they say, like, oh, yeah, in this blog post, I thought that was actually a really interesting topic, because they... They did some some analysis on so Stack Overflow makes money. That one of the ways to make money is through job postings, right? I know that's the only way they make money. Might be. Where's anyway. the blog? Where's the blog? The link to the blog. Uh, Top of the calculator. I'll look for okay. it. I think it's on the calculator. I I mean I found it. I wasn't doing anything uh, super interesting. So anyway, found it somehow. But they they ran some analysis on their job postings, and they found that. Job postings with a posted salary range got a ridiculous amount of more engagement from qualified candidates. And and this was even true when the salary was really low. Like even paying a below market salary, it was better to share what salary you were offering than to say no salary at all. So these job postings, if you so the thing about job postings and when people say this whole, oh, but we want to save you time. I feel like this is a mythos that I hear a lot when people are trying to lie about why they won't tell you the salary and why they want you, the candidate, to share your salary information. The person trying to fill the position says, well, tell me your salary range so I can help you save time and not waste your time on a, sal- a job where it's not your salary range. And But if that were actually true lying recruiter person then they would be sharing the salary range and the point is that actually when you even look at the data it just shows that they're it's right that they should be sharing the salary range and then they'll get more qualified candidates so if you have a job posting list your salary range summary is it possible that it matters like the click-through rate depending on the um perceived like self-perceived experience of a, of a developer like some, if somebody's junior and the salary range is high are they less likely to click because they don't think they're worth that much Ooh, that's an interesting point i don't know how they would study that though yeah 
It's an interesting thing to think about for sure. I thought you were going to say about like name recognition of the company because that's also something that uh, I don't know if they controlled for if they you know put up like because like if you're actually running you know this is like them doing analytics on their existing stuff on versus like running an actual study where you would want to control for things like company reputation. So, like, you could even, if you were to design a study like this, you would you'd probably, I would say you'd probably use made-up companies. But even then, you would risk, like, making sure that the names uh, are, you know, not better than the other. Like, you know, comparing, such as comparing everythingisonfire.com to <laughs> superhappywonderland.com, both hiring for a JavaScript engineer. I noticed, uh, like, some companies, they put a wide salary range so it'd be like oh you can make like 50 to 100 yeah or, i don't know if that's i mean I, that's fine many different candidates or like but like why like how are you going to calculate where it's why have it be so wide yeah where in that wide scale you're going to put me well i think that's i mean that's why stack Overflow has that calculator slash recruiting tools because they're saying here's our actual calculation mechanism rumor is also that stack Overflow doesn't negotiate so if you were to apply for Stack Overflow, that is actually the offer you would get. And they don't, the rumor is they don't negotiate. So backtrack to uh, looking for Soundflower. It seems like there's something weird going on in Soundflower the last few years. Uh, Sunflower bed is a thing I still have, but Sunflower is not installed. Uh, so I still don't know what the answer for Sunflower is. Maybe you pulled out all the Sunflowers from your Sunflower bed. Maybe. Maybe I killed all my sunflowers. I also know, like, at various times I blow away everything from my machine. <laughs> so, or like, like the time I uh, uninstalled everything that brew, homebrew had installed. Like, that was like a giant reset button. The worst is when you type, I think it's brew upgrade. Because you meant mm-hmm. to type brew update something. Oh. And then upgrades everything. And you just have to sit there while GCC has to compile. Just <laughs> like, no. No. Yeah, Homebrew is, is great software. Shall we do picks? Uh, sure. Yeah, my mouth is pretty tired. Your mouth is tired? <laughs> Yeah. You're tired of talking and stuff? I don't know. It's like, oh, maybe I need some water. <laughs> Too much coffee. All right. <laughs> oh, can we talk about something before we do picks? Sure. Something that's been really annoying me at work, and I guess in general. How do we help the community report better errors? So, like, sometimes someone will jump in our Slack room or send an email and they're like, oh, like, we're seeing problems. Or this thing is slow. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the obvious thing to do is, like, uh, um, reply and say, like, can you tell us, like, what you're seeing or uh, what is the error that you're seeing? So how do you all deal with that? I'm confused how this is related to a community. Say that again? Like you said, this is related to 
you've been thinking about this in the community. How do we handle well, errors? Like, what do you mean with the community? Most of my interaction these days is exactly with work, so I'm just going to say work. But I know, like, with, like, <laughs> uh, with, like, open source tools, people report stuff. And I know sometimes they have, like, a reporting a bug guideline. I guess, like, yeah, like GitHub how do you has, do that at work? GitHub has an issues template now that, that you can put in, like, um, steps to reproduce and screenshot or logs. Um, but backing up, I think that it depends if the person experiencing the error is an internal or external user. Like somebody, mm-hmm. and I'm assuming you're talking about Comcast, somebody using like a Comcast service and it being slow, they're probably not going to like call you directly. They're probably going to call Comcast customer support. And, um, well, but, no. but if your customers are other service teams... Right, and, and you, then you and actually really need to talk about like knock processes. Yeah, and if, if you're other... If, if you have like a, let's say like an SLA to respond to clients within, I don't know... 200 milliseconds and you're exceeding that um for one you should your team itself should have or i should say like your service should be reporting you um, metrics on those stuff you know 400 and 500 error rates um well yeah and and also visualizations of like are we exceeding our expected um response time yeah. And usually for internal teams, uh, like for for HashCorp at least, we're small enough that we all use the same the same tools to do uh, project management. Mm-hmm. So for internal teams, it's very easy to say, "Hey, go into this tool and create a create a thing and put it in this project." And they know how to do that, um, and that lets us kind of triage it. If it's like an emergency outage, obviously somebody in our team is going to stop what they're doing and take a look right away. But usually, it's better just to get it written down and, and track so that we can take a look at it later. Yeah. A good example is like, like ten o'clock last night. Someone was like, "At here, we're seeing problems." And was there then, actually a problem? That was it. <laughs> yeah. Was no, like, no. I think so. That's the thing is like the when that chat. happens. So really, what you're talking about is, see, I, I'll I'll tell you off the podcast who you need to talk to, uh, but they've done <laughs> an awesome internal talk about. Um, they actually went through the training that people at the knock go through okay. and uh, looked at like how we understand how people report. So, cause the thing is when you say a question, like how do we report errors? Like, well, hopefully you have monitoring and things that your, your machine should tell you yourself. It sounds like what your actual problem is, is when people see a problem and they don't know the right person to talk to, which is a very mm-hmm. different thing because you know, one of the things with with proper monitoring is when you like I've I've been privileged to work on some some beautifully monitored projects and when your project is beautifully monitored I would get these calls and I would say there's not a problem because I would have known before you called me like if I don't yeah. know about it that means like it actually I'm not being you know like contrarian like it's just true that the monitoring is that robust that you know or it's, you know, or it's not beca- based on the way the monitoring is designed. It's not in an area that I can control. Mm-hmm. So, like, if so, it's probably some an upstream or downstream issue. And, like, the SLA for the part of the application, like, the application that I'm working on has not been broken. So, that's, that's my mm-hmm. very strong opinions on this. I think it's good to set up, you know... We've had a couple times where, like, we've gotten a alert from an error reporting service in our Slack channel, and then, like, five minutes later, 
one of our customer contacts will come in and say, "Hey, this customer's having this issue," and be like, "Yep, we already saw it. Yep, <laughs> We're fixing it. We already it. know." But right. but it's good to it's, but it's good to tell that person like what the issue was so they can relay it back mm-hmm. to the customer. So that's always a little yeah, bit harder. Like how do you mm-hmm. how do you structure that human? Yeah, how do yeah. you structure the human communication? Yeah. But yeah, yeah error reporting is good. Yeah, it's not even one of our services. It's just a Slack room that I, I was lurking in. I was like, come on. Why? Why are you going to be but like that? I, I've seen this many times. It's unfortunate that it doesn't work because my reaction is to ban that person. Ban like, them from the project? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, when someone... I, I may have recently banned someone from a meetup um, because, like, I'm, yeah, I'm starting to get, like, zero tolerance for foolishness. Like, if you post your Java job dis- or like a like a random job description to my meetup group, I'm gonna ban you. Like, no apology. You're banned. Like, you can always make a meetup account with a different name. Out of here. Out of here. Struck out. Yeah. So sadly, you can't ban people at work, or like you can't if you are. I guess I was more looking for like, how do you educate? Or that so that set up so here's the stuff. negative part of that. That presumes that people are open to education. They actually don't care. Here's mm. the thing: they don't care. Like this is like not. I think this is true, but it is not nice. But people don't care. What they want is for the problem to not be theirs anymore. Like that's what they want. So they don't actually care about being more effective or being more understandable. They care about. So, so the thing is, like, if you're trying to educate them, in air quotes, like, that's a non-starter because they don't care. You can't educate people who don't care. Mm. But if you can somehow get them to believe that if they do something different, that their answer gets, it, that their stuff gets done faster and it becomes not their problem faster, that's something that can motivate them. Cool. So, something to think about. Going back to the technology part of that, I, I do like working on a project um, that has a lot of users and traffic because it's very easy to see. It's very easy to use error rates in that case to to look at, like, identify a problem. Up, like, 90th and 99th percentile. Yeah, or, yeah. or just, like, or... or when you only have, like, like, 10 a, users, you can't have 90th percentile metrics. Exactly. <laughs> or, or if you're doing, like, blue-green deploys or canary deploys, like, and you just want to put, like, one out of, like, 10% of traffic over to this new service, you can see if it behaves the same as the other services. But, like you said, if you don't have that many users, you can't really do that. So I've done a lot of projects that don't, really don't have users, and we can't actually, yeah. <laughs> can't actually do any, any sort of uh, metrics like that. Like, sometimes, But, so. Yeah. But I, at I, your corporate, I'm sure Comcast, especially, has enough traffic to your services. I imagine that you could probably uh, use those those kinds of uh, error rates as, as a pretty good indicator. Mm-hmm. So I think I've got Soundflower working, and so I want to do my pick to be of this podcast. Uh, and I'm gonna try and play a clip of their intro, which makes me really want us to get an intro. When, if you can hear how awesome this intro is, great. So Go we'll for see it. if this works. Copyright so plagiarize. No, fair use, fair use. Fair use. Um, We're making fun of them. So tell, make, tell me if you can hear this. Is it playing? I, I got nothing yet. Did you hear it? <laughs> Wait, did you hear it though? Did it? Oh. That's going to be our intro. You ever see that movie Jarhead? 
So uh, wait, I yes. forgot to change it back to my voice. Did you hear that? No. No, we didn't hear anything. What? Oh, God. Silence. <laughs> then you started making noise like you had heard something. Okay. Let me Why do you play it on your phone? You can play it on your phone. Yeah, into the mic. Is that really like the best case scenario that we have? I can do that. I can try that. You could send it to me. I could edit it in. <laughs> oh my god. And we can but, just pretend like, oh yeah, we heard it. It was so funny. Ha yeah. ha ha. No, but then I want to hear. I want you to leave this reaction because I think this is funny. Um. Man. No, because I, I, well, before the show, I actually asked on Twitter, I asked uh, Chris uh, Croyer over at the Shop Talk show, because they, um, well, actually, it turns out that it's Dave, who's also at the Shop Talk show. They use a little soundboard, and uh, I said, how do you do it? And he, he uses an iPad. <laughs> he uses oh, an nice. external device. He just plugs it into the, like, like well, and or uh, people who have mixers, like they'll plug more than one input into their mixer. Um, so Your homies see. with Chris Coyer? Yeah. Yeah, CSS tricks. I've used so many of those tricks. It's an awesome, yeah, it's awesome site, awesome person. Um, I've been on the Shop Talk show before, so I think that might have been uh-huh. how we met. Um, but here, let me, I'm going to turn on this podcast. So many white guys. And, like, I'm going to have to skip past the uh, Casper ad. So many white guys. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't this an amazing <laughs> intro? <laughs> but yeah, so the name of the podcast is So Many White Guys. And Phoebe Robinson is a comedian, and the show just started. It's got three episodes out. Uh, it's awesome. I love what she does with her mixing. Uh, and, and thus far, it's already super great. So that's my pick. Javon, you're next. I'm next. All right. I'm up. Uh, my music pick is a song called, I think it's called Go Off. By Go Eli. Off? G-O-A-U-T-H? No, like G-O space O-F-F. Aww. By M-I-A. Oh, cool. Uh, she's pretty cool. She's hype. It's great. Okay, from Philadelphia. What? What? Or maybe she's, she's is from, it? She's from Sri Lanka. Am I thinking of Santa Gold? Probably. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> Santa Gold is also awesome. I'm pretty sure I've picked her in the past. Yeah, I think um, I have. And then my programming pick is... Uh, I'm going to plug Emacs here. There's an Emacs Terraform mode, which does auto-formatting on save. Um, there's also HCL mode and Terraform mode for Emacs. So if you write a lot of Terraform stuff, um, check, check out those plugins. It'll save you a lot of time. Although... They let you choose spacing um, or indent spacing. I'm not sure which one's the right one yet. Because Terraform format will do two, but some of your repos I've looked at just in have four, I think. For what? Sp- or the Golang spacing for some of the Terraform files. The best oh. practices repo have the, that spacing. but Yeah, HCL is a uh, new syntax. Okay. <laughs> so it's, it's still growing. It's finding how many spaces it wants before each each line. Right. Well, we want two. Who? I think the world would like two, not four. Maybe, but yeah. There's pretty strong precedent from the GoLang community to have four, so we'll see. It's I, I have no say in it, so don't <laughs> don't tell me. 
All right, those are our picks. Um, my pick, Len probably picked it before, but maybe he didn't. Uh, there's a game called Werewolf, One Night Ultimate Werewolf. Um, oh, Len definitely picked it. You think he did? I'm picking it again. You can pick it again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so at the HashiCorp Employee Summit, or HEX, as we called it, um, I played this for the bulk of an evening with a bunch of people. It was really fun. We had as few as uh, five or six people playing to, I think, like 12 at some point. Uh, and it's a really fun game. And There's another... Yeah, go ahead. There's another one he picked that's like a step up from that. That's like... Codenames? Maybe. He was like, you could walk around and stuff. That's probably Codenames. Oh, weird. Um, or Vampire? I don't know. I'll have to do that. I don't know. There's all kinds of games down here. Really, like, to, to play with just a few people, all you need is, like, some sort of indicator who is the werewolf and um, pass those out. Uh, but there's Spoiler also, alert. Yeah. Justin ruins board games, everyone. Why? <laughs> you always messed it up with prop <sighs> Um, There's also a free uh, iOS and Android app that instead of having a instead of playing with your group minus one person because one person's an announcer, you can play with the entire group because you can use the iPhone app to be the announcer or the Android app. Uh, so that's pretty cool. So I played it. It was somebody else's copy, um, but I just bought one for this weekend, hoping to play more this weekend. It's a good game. I love it. It's fun. It's fun just lying and trying to figure out who is lying and who's giggling the most who's turning red <laughs> alright Justin you want to take us out yes goodbye no um, <laughs> this is uh, who knows what episode this is we don't know it was recorded on July 28th we never 28th. put dates in the what are you doing hey I'm taking this out uh, our website is turing.cool we are uh, Turing. Are we Turing incomplete or Turing cool on Twitter? I don't know. <laughs> this is going so well. Um, follow us on iTunes. And I think we're in Google Play now too. So if you've yeah, Android that's device. new. We are we are yeah, now thanks, on the Google Play. Thanks, yeah. JB, thanks for right? the thanks for the bug report, JB. Um, so yeah, we're now on the Google Play. So if you listen to podcasts that way, we're there too. Uh, as always, review us and stuff. It helps people find the podcast. We are Turing Cool on Twitter. Cool, yes. yeah. <laughs> so at Turing Cool, uh, mention us with questions, and we will read them on the show if you uh, if we want to. <laughs> if we and don't, then we still like you. Don't worry. Yeah, no worries. Next week you should to- you should totally watch Night Off because Lena's coming back next week, and we will spoil it if you don't watch it. Oh, no. Also, shameless self promotion. Uh, the CS Book Club podcast is starting back up with a new book. Introduction to Graph Theory, and we are recording uh, tonight. So by the time you hear this, the that episode will probably be online. Awesome. You can go listen to it. Cool. If you want to learn about graphs. Graphs. I finally learned the algorithm for uh, if you have a team of N people, how many relationships are there? Is that like the Futurama algorithm? The what? Nothing. Okay, on. <laughs> Like like a like a ideal team size, you can calculate um, based on like if you have five people, 
um, how many people are having conversations with each other. And that, that number goes up, uh, not really exponentially, but in, a, in an interesting algorithm. Um, but I figured out how to calculate that for any, any size. It's pretty straightforward. But understanding it, how it worked, is what I just learned reading last night. Cool. So this isn't a math thing. It's more like a, a human thing. It is a math thing. It is purely math. Okay. It is. Yeah. If if you if you and I are friends, Jervon, we are each a, a vertice, vertice, and uh, vertex, and our relationship is an edge. But if we introduce Pam, now there are three ver- vertices and three edges. Oh, is this See, on the, the graph theory book? Yeah, the edges went from one to three, even though we only added one person. Oh, and if we add f- a fourth person, like Len, now we also we have six relationships. Isn't that's just? I mean, it's graph theory, but it's also simple math. Isn't that just combinations? Well, it's um, yeah, it, it's. Don't spoil it, Pam. <laughs> Don't spoil awesome. it with basic statistics. I what thought you were you saying you figured out like. Uh, the right team size for uh, like well, all companies ever. Well, if you if you look at like the number of conversations that or relationships that exist in a team size of like six, seven, eight, nine, ten, um, you can see how like gigantic it gets at a certain point, and kind of be okay. like, oh, that's that makes sense to stop there. <laughs> cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna buy that. Book. It's only like four dollars on Amazon, both hard copy and or, or softback and Kindle. So, also, uh, yeah, I'm trying to work on a way that we can donate books, but I'm trying to figure out how that's going to work. Cool. Yeah, but all right. Uh, hope to see you around for next episode. Bye. Bye.